Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Broadcasting from the Leadership Academy Studios, aka my new basement. Welcome to the Driven Entrepreneur Show, uh, the go to plan for coaches, authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs of all kinds, just like you, to start, grow, and profit a business that you love. Hey, I'm your host, Matt Browning. We are back, back from a little winter hiatus. Thank you for coming back and thank you for uh, being gracious. Uh, well, I took some time with the family and really just kind of hunkered down a little bit during the month of February and March. But we are back and, you know, it's April 1st. This is a special day. It's not April 1st, April Fool's Day for you. I mean, it is, but not for the show because this is no fool. This is no joke. We have a repeat special asked for guest coming back again. Uh, a few months back, I had the privilege to do an incredible interview with Dr. John Deloney. And Dr. John Deloney is the host of the ever popular Dr. John Deloney show uh, podcast going out three times a week as part of the Ramsey Network. And he also is a um, repeated co-host of the Dave Ramsey or Ramsey show with Dave Ramsey. Um, and he is the mental health expert the dude's incredible, right? He's got two PhDs, decades of counseling and trauma intervention uh, and academic experience. But one of the things that's really impacting me is my personal relationship with John, where I've had a chance to, you know, now I've come out to the Ramsey Studios a couple of different times now down in Nashville and spent some time with John and Dave and the entire team down there. Um, really, really incredible stuff they're doing. And John's work is just blowing up right now because obviously coming out of the pandemic, and we talk about this in the interview coming up, you're about to listen to, um, you know, John was put on an 18 month plan to ramp up and, you know, create his show and maybe start working on a book and, and really get he, him and the message out there. And he came on, I think it was February, 2020. So within about a month, they said, Hey man, um, 18 months is going to be more like 18 days. Let's go. People need this stuff. And last time he was on, we talked about his, his quick read book, Redefining Anxiety. And today I'm real excited because he has a new book coming out. It's in pre-release right now uh, called Own Your Past, Change Your Future. And this is really a book all about stories. Uh, so you know, they sent me a pre-release copy. And, and normally, I got to be honest, when I get one of the pre-release copies from, you know, um, uh, publishing agents and everything. I always skim them. I look for, you know, look for highlights because I really do want to understand if I'm going to bring an interview to you guys, I want to understand who this person is, what the message is. But generally, I don't have time to read a book cover to cover. Uh, my wife's a big reader. Uh, I want to be, but I'm not as big of a reader as I could be. Let's just be honest. But John's book, I couldn't put it down. It was powerful. And I felt like he was reading my mail. Um, and I think you will too. Um, this is an interview I'm really proud of. I'm very excited to share with you. Um, John's a super authentic guy. Um, we both just get transparent and honest from the beginning. Um, plenty of laughs and jokes, plenty of serious moments. We cover everything from, you know, parenting, 
um, helping your children to be actually seen and heard, uh, to working through traumas, uh, to life balance. And ultimately, the whole point of this time in his book and, and what I want you to get out of this interview coming up is it's really about looking at the stories that we tell ourselves, the stories uh, that we talk about, about the world around us, the stories of how we grew up, the beliefs and stories about, you know, I came from this place, you know, our family, you know, no one goes to college in our family and that kind of stuff. So it's really looking and examining the stories that you've grown up with, even if you're not aware that they're stories. Um, and I ask him some great questions about how to separate the life's events from the stories we tell about life's events. I think you'll find this very intriguing, impactful, and my hope is that it'll, it'll be very helpful uh, for you right now in this time to take your business and your life and really, it's not about going to the next level with this interview, although you will. This is really about you taking the reins of control back and for some of you, it's, it's going to be like for the first time in a while, really feeling like you're in control, really getting some hope, um, some inspiration, and the determination to say, you know what, if my life isn't what I want it to be, if my business isn't what I want it to be, my marriage, whatever, I can make it better. It's time to get into that. So um, without any further ado, I hope you enjoy uh, a nice long form interview um, you should feel like you're our, our third friend hanging out at a coffee shop because that's what it felt like to me. Um, enjoy the interview with Dr. John Deloney. How about that? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Whoa. Dude, see, what's up? Um, you've got like wrestlers in Star Wars. This is this. me. Wrestlers, Transformers, Star Wars. You want to know me? A life-size globe. Rock. Globes. <laughs> uh, this. This is huge. This is like big time me. Hey, how long do you think until until they let you put on heavy metal albums behind you? Zero percent. Never. <laughs> I'm pushing for it. There's an empty space over here. I'm really pushing for. But I so far. Amazing, man. I thank you. I agree. It is the best part of when you share yourself on the air. I think people love well, it, man. Like whenever my I kid runs that. in or the wrestling. I got 30 seconds extra on TV last week because when they cut away from me, all of a sudden they came back and said, wait a second, I got a question. Are those his <laughs> Star Wars Legos or his kids? <laughs> those are not. Yeah, they, so that's free publicity. Hey, man, How we doing, man? Doing really good. Thanks for making the time today. Sarah dude, reached out. Obviously, did. I was hoping I'd be able to be one of the ones you need uh, to did. share on your new book, dude. Dude, it's awesome, man. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. I hate to say, uh, I mean, we're already taping just in case. Uh, but I hate to say that uh, I am one of the many, many, many you've probably heard that I got the book uh, to advanced reader. And I'm like, well, I want to check it out, obviously, if I'm going to be interviewing you. And dang it, if I couldn't put it down. Really? Like, yeah, for real. And, and my wife actually read it first. She got it. And usually she, you know, she doesn't want to read this, the books I get. She has her own books. Yeah. And, and she's like, do you mind? So all the underlining is not me. It's actually her. So. <laughs> she said, look at this guy. If this guy on the cover of this book can make it, honey. We're going to be all right. That's yeah, awesome, come on. Well, thank you so much, dude. You're way cooler than that. Um, you want to jump in? Let's, let's party. Hey, so my first question is, uh, I, it's been a few months since I've seen you last in November in Nashville. What's the coolest or weirdest or hardest thing that happened to you or that has oh, been dude. going on in your life? Anything you want to talk about? Since What's November? What's something that sticks out in the last few months? I know it's been a whirlwind. Oh, man. Uh, Christmas was hard. Um, I, I ran, 
I've been running so hard for the last two years. Um, I think I, I think I've talked about this in some shape, form, or fashion publicly, but uh, dude, I like I'm a nerd. I'm an academic, and I like to play my guitar in my house by myself. Or I mean, I don't mind playing publicly, but I'm just kind of an introverted guy, and I like watching fights by myself and hanging out with my family. And we live in the woods. I just like living like that. And when I took this job, I knew it was going to be an adjustment, and I had an 18 month ramp up plan. And to teach me how radio worked and I didn't exist on the internet anywhere, all the, you know, just, Hey, we're going to slowly bring you in. And by the way, the ultimate goal here is you're going to co-host the second largest show on the planet. When it comes to radio, I had an idea intellectually what that meant. I didn't know what that meant. And then I, so I start February, 2020 March hits and my boss, Dave says, Hey, we brought you in to help people who are hurting and the whole world's hurting. So we're going to figure this out live. And Remember so that I went live. Thing we talked about. Yeah, we're going to condense that into 30 days. And so I hit the ground and dude, it's been a whirlwind. It's been so fun. I got to do. But December of this year was when my body said we're out. And that's when like the book draft was in and all the editorial fights and all the arguments. And you got to leave this line in. But I like that line. And nobody knows what you're talking about, Deloney. I think we left 40,000 words, which is basically another book on the cutting room floor. And so, um, and of course, when you talk as much as I do, you think that every one of your words is precious and special, right? They're, they're so your babies. Yeah, they're my, they're not, I don't even like my kids that much. Like, these are my words, right? So um, December is in my body said I'm out. And so it's been a steady walk back of, oh, this is really annoying when you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, uh, maybe you should take your own advice that you'd give for a living why don't you yeah, try so, so doing if, it if, yeah if you're house. reading your own book right now it's um, pretty it, there's nothing more annoying man so yeah that's probably been the hardest thing it's been the hardest thing and the coolest thing like you just the feedback on this thing has been extraordinary so yeah i watched some of your clips on youtube uh i i, I can't help it man I, I genuinely enjoy consuming your content you have a phenomenal podcast i love it we'll you're talk awesome, about that man. later um, genuinely, like, it's just so good. Um, but I love some of the clips that you guys did for the promo for the book with the readers' reactions. Just to watch yeah, that, that was a lot of fun, man. It. It's good time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I obviously read the book. Um, I didn't realize though that in the short few times we've met, that you were, decided to write a whole book about me. I'm I'm honored. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Yes. Uh, actually, how, your how wife did you know so much about me? Your wife commissioned the book. Uh, she sent me some <laughs> of your diaries, and um, so I crafted it. I put my face on it, not to make it weird for you, but yeah, you're reading, no, I appreciate you're that, reading man. my mail, man. Um, so can we, I guess, let's jump in, because I think a lot of the entrepreneurs listening are going to have... Yeah, we can go anywhere you want to go, man. Okay. So first off, if you haven't picked up the book, uh, we're talking about Own Your Past, Change Your Future. If you're up on the YouTube channel, that's what it looks like with that pretty little face right there. Is that, that the first headshot? Is that the, was that the very first take with your eyebrows just right? Dude, that was, <laughs> I think we took 10,000 photos to get that one. And I didn't even like that one, but such a, I had a cool one with me with no shirt on, jumping off the roof. That's oh the one my I thought gosh. we to go with, but it didn't, it didn't. Own your past. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. My brother used to do that with our neighbor. They jump off from the roof to the pool. I was never that daring. I, I couldn't get myself to do it. <laughs> so Excellent. Excellent. In the very first chapter, you open with a phenomenal metaphor and just stop me if I give away. I don't, I don't want to give away too much, but I, I want to jump into some of the gold that we can mine out of here. If that's cool with you. Any place, man. Phenomenal. Um, you were talking about this story about noticing the cracks in your house. Um, and it's a phenomenal metaphor because halfway through, you're like, is he going to go there? And then you go there and it sounds 
it sounds eerily similar to a what I've walked through in different seasons and even now. And what you just described happened to you last Christmas. I know it's different, right? Like you intentionally are choosing today, right? To say, hey, I'm going to go after these things. I'm, you know, you're intentionally making that versus just seeing how your life shows up. I guess my question about it is, if you look around at your life and realize that by the time you get the last plate spinning, the first one's almost stopped and you know you can't keep going on like this, but you seem like you're winning, but you're not, but you are, if that makes sense. Yeah. How do you stop? How do you recognize it? Like, what's the first thing to do? For me, the first thing ultimately was I got to go talk to somebody. I got to say this out loud to another person. And if you are a, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're running and gunning and you are used to selling and pitching and moving and able to take somebody's no and make it a yes, like that's just the nature of it. Um, the last thing you're trained to do, the last thing you want to do is sit down and look somebody in the eye and say, I don't have an answer. I'm not okay. And, um, or here's the thing, your body will shut you down. It will end badly. You'll end in ash. And so the choice is, do I want to land, do I want to control crash, or do I just want to drive the sucker to the ground? But I think for all of us, it starts with, with sitting in front of somebody else and saying, I'm not okay. Just talking to someone. Yeah. And counselor, great. Therapist, great. Pastor, great. Um, good friend, neighbor. Like, what's your, what's your take on that? Does it matter? Is it like, just get the words out? And I realize yeah, there's different I, people for different purposes, you know, but we have, prof and I'm saying this as, as a mental health practice, like professional, like I, I am a part of that community, but we have, I think when you look around and see the quote unquote mental health needs across the country, it is a reflection of not an increasingly crazy society, but I think it's an increasingly lonely society. We have professionalized connection. We've professionalized friendship. Um, we've professionalized interaction because we don't know our neighbors. I don't have any guy friends that I just go run and hang out with and say, dude, come look at this for me. And so if you've got a group of three or four or five men or women in your life that you trust and that I'm going to say is not your spouse and is probably 98% chance not your coworker. And hopefully not uh, your kids. Definitely not your kids. That's a whole other podcast because that's do. a story too yeah i oh, see that a gosh. lot my kids my um, best friend if you say that your kids your best friend you're gonna you're gonna you're choosing to drown your child because they are not strong enough to carry the weight of an adult friendship and you've got to get some friends but that's a whole other podcast but yeah if you've got you said friends, i've been saying it for years i'm glad you, you got said friends it. talk to your friends man what a gift and you can tell them hey i don't need you to solve anything for me i just gotta say this out loud and most guys will end like all right, dude, let's go get some nachos or let's go fishing or let's like whatever. Let's go play golf, whatever. But yeah, I mean, if you got that, that's great. Um, once you start getting into, I need to unpack trauma and abuse. You should probably go talk to a professional. Uh, I think that's a wise move because that's getting into some deep territory, but that initial, Hey, I'm not okay. Um, man, that could be with anybody. That's really good. And so you don't have to have a level of okay or not. Okay. You don't have to be having the wheels fall off. Like you said, you don't have to be at the, at the point of a break, as soon as you notice it and see like, Hey, this isn't okay. I'm going a little something, whatever it is, just talk to someone. I love that. Um, and I would start every conversation like that line you just gave me. I'm using with my wife, uh, this afternoon. Hey, I mean, she uses it with me, but she says it different ways. <laughs> right. But it's, I don't need you to fix anything. I just need you to listen. And it took me 10 years or coming up on 12 years married to, to figure out that she didn't need me to fix everything. She said, that's right. <laughs> that's right. 
Uh, yeah, saying the it's like, man, I don't need a solution here. I just need to say this out loud and make sure I'm not crazy. And just having your buddies nod while they're sipping a drink and they're like, yeah, it's you. That's helpful, man. Like there's no solutions there. There's no, but that's super helpful. Or to be like, no, that didn't sound right. You know, that's such a gift, man. But, but you, you got to cultivate those relationships over time. You can't just pounce on somebody at 2 a.m. and say, hey, I need you to come over. That's tough, man. That's why we've got hotlines now, you know, like, because we haven't cultivated those relationships so that when somebody calls me at 2 a.m., it's not a strange or weird thing. It's an honor. It's a blessing to be that call. When you're sitting in a movie and the storyline's going along and all of a sudden you have this random subconscious revelation, oh my gosh, that guy couldn't pick up the sword. Like that's me, and you, right? You realize that? Or when you just have a soundboard and somebody just says, yeah, that's you, that sucks. But it triggers something in you. Why do you think that is that... It's like it works, right? We work in stories. We work in metaphor. But when you tell someone, hey, those cigarettes will kill you, you should put them down. No one has ever said, oh, my gosh, really? Oh, I'll put it down right now. Thank you. I didn't know, right? Some, because the cigarette, isn't there, the cigarette isn't that person's problem. The cigarette is a solution. Let's the go. cigarette helps with I uh, am stressed out, and the cigarette works. It helps me calm down. The cigarette gives me something to do with my hands because I fidget and people tell me I fidget too much and I make them uncomfortable. So this gives me something to do. So the cigarette's not the problem. When you're join somebody else's story, when you become part of somebody else's um, narrative, you, then you become part of their team. You become part of their family. You become connected to them. And that's where healing happens. That's where thought happens. That's actually where your body can stop being in fight or flight. And you can actually have a thought for the first time in five, 10, 15 years. And so when you see that, oh, I'm just like that actor, I'm just like that character, that's a, that's a, I hate to say this, but it's a cheap substitute, but it's a soul connection. That's where my brain can go, okay, I'm part of this gang. And you got to be careful about which gang you're joining, right? We got a lot of John Wick wannabes, right? So you don't like, but you got to be like, oh, I'm settling into this now, right? And then you can finally have some real, real communication with yourself. Yeah, I wonder why John Wick, I mean, I, he's my spirit animal, man. I, I love John Wick, <laughs> but, but I, I wonder, right? It's like that, that, that metaphor of, you know what? I just, I have all these problems everywhere. I get people I don't, I'm just going to shoot everything in the face. Like, all I mean, of it. Right, there's, just, just burn it down. <laughs> I'm going to turn the world that, into a human video game on a horse yeah. with a sword. Right, and we're, it's, we're not, it's not real, right? I don't actually want to shoot people in the face, but there's that feeling of, I just want to shoot it all in the face. I don't, I want all these things to go away, right? I want all the problems. I want my dog to stop whining. I want whatever, right? Um, but if we think about, if we look at all the, the maladies in our culture now, and you can pick one, suicide, smoking, alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever, those are all solutions. And we've spent trillions of dollars turning those things into the problem. Let's stop those things. Those are the solutions. The problems are way further upstream. It's loneliness and trauma and disconnection. And you solve those things, man, you, people, I don't need a drink. I'm not interested in it, man. My marriage is great. I get the connection I need there. Um, and you begin to shift things over time. And so uh, anyway, I'll leave it at that. We talk about no, that, that all day. Well, I mean, that, that's actually, that was on my list of things I wanted to ask you about. Because you, you, one of the big themes in the book is the stories are the problem and the stories are the solution. Is this where we're going with that? Realizing that, the story about me being a, a chronic smoker, I can't quit or I've tried and blah, blah, blah. That's my story. That's my problem. But that's actually the solution. And the problem is something different. Is that what we're talking about? Or is there a little well, bit it's of... Like, 
our fight or flight is we used to we think it's about the threat our body right. taking care of us it's not it's the story we've told ourselves about that threat because a you and i i could have a pet bear and i love bears and i think i know how to talk to them and then a bear shows up and you and me are hanging out at somebody's lodge because that's what we do right we're lodge guys all the time and your brain may see that bear and you're off to the races man you're grabbing guns and hatchets and whatever and my instinct might be to lean forward so it's the story we tell ourselves about those threats and hatchets? it's our that's what hatchets, i'm grabbing yeah, yeah okay. i mean if, it just depends on what kind of how tough you actually are that's my first yeah. that's my first go-to so one guy <laughs> has a story about what a bear means the other guy goes this is actually my pet what's the react so where do the stories meet reality i think that's one of the big things that i uh i ruminate on and i struggle with sometimes is you know the the limiting belief it's like well i'm too short to win the same dunk championship we'll tell it to spud webb or right and where does the story meet reality and when do you say reality is what it is and this i should be afraid or i should be fill in the blank versus hang on this is a story man i can rewrite this thing well i i don't think those are mutually exclusive i think um so if we go back to stories, let's go back to the stories we're born into, right? That are just the air you breathe. This is the way Christmas is done. This is the way Christmas is not done. We're, we're a family that doesn't, we don't buy cars like that. We don't, we don't need the kind of extravagance or we don't drive crappy cars like that. We drive nicer cars, even if we can't afford them. We drive fancy things. Um, or kids shut your mouth in this home. Or kids drive the home, whatever you want. What, like, so you're just born into this is just the way things are. Um, a it's big a one I've water. heard. That's exactly right. The, the big one I've heard is uh, like what your what your family of origin, what your community of origin's narrative of God is. He loves you. He's your best friend. He wants to hang out with you. He doesn't exist, or he's this looming shadow. And the if you screw up, he will torture you for eternity. Right. And then you're nine, and you're like, oh, okay. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna navigate the world with that. Right. With underneath his shadow. So. The, you're born into that. And then there's the stories you're told, which are, um, hey, boys don't like girls who look like that. So let's change that shirt. Or, um, hey, suck it up. That didn't hurt. And in your head, you're a five-year-old little boy and you think, not super did hurt, but I trust him because he's bigger than me and he's smart. So I'm going to go the rest of my life not trusting my own instinct and my own feelings and my own body. I'm going to outsource that to a girlfriend, to a boss, to my parent, right? And so then you find yourself 25, 35, 45. And I think that's the magic where you have to then begin to say, is this true? And is this reality? And so I think for me, it's a matter of mining that for data. I keep a little thing with me that I write them down if I can't get them out of my head. But it's, it's a ongoing process. And what I've done over the last decade is you begin to peel enough stories back that I know when something is true because of how my body reacts to it. This is not accurate, or this is actually very accurate. Or here's the catch. When I'm stuck, your community, my friend Andy Peterson here, my your community defines your calling. They will let you know. And so I reach out to a friend and say, hey, man, I can't, am I a crappy dad? Like, I know I'm on the road and all of this, and they'll say, no, man, you're doing all right. Like we're, we try to be like you and I can then go, okay, I don't trust myself right now. My body's reacting in a certain way, I'm gonna, but I trust him. And so I'm going to outsource some of that to a community. And again, it goes back to, you got to have people you can reach out to. I love that word. You, you've, I've heard you use it a few times, uh, coast and the Ramsey show. And I think on your own outsourcing, you talked about, uh, what was the phrase you said out? Like 
we outsource our we outsource our life, man. Well, I mean, we yeah, our whole life, everything, right? Everything like, we outsource. I want connections so instead of going to my wife and, and having a hard conversation because we were having a little thing earlier. Because that part's painful. That part can feel hard, and it's mm-hmm. there might be rejection. It's in my head, but there's still you know possibility. But to go there is like I have to face something. And then I can get connection, which is deeper than anything else I could try to find as a substitute. But you talk about how we're outsourcing that connection to uh, Instagram likes or outsourcing the connection to, you know, do, do we get enough open email rate on our marketing campaign? And guys, you can't be outsourcing your personal needs through your business, through your clients, through your marketing, because I've been guilty of that constantly. Oh, I'm going to put up this post so that fill in the blank of my business story. But the reality is I'm feeling empty. Or I'm feeling like a failure as a dad, or I feel like a failure because like my plants died. So now I got to get something somewhere else. Can you talk a bit more about like that outsourcing that was just so powerful to me? Yeah, it's one of the underlying themes of the book is there's this whole world spinning underneath us, and I don't I don't actually blame us. Um, I'm I'm not in the blame game these days. I, I I spent years being angry and blaming everybody, and that's just kind of a futile exercise. Why in the world? Why would I? enter into a painful, probably rejection lane um, and a a conversation that I don't even have the skills for. I've never seen it done. I didn't see my mom and dad have this conversation, for God's sake. I sure as crap didn't hear my grandparents have this conversation. Why would I enter into a hard conversation with my wife about our sex life and intimacy and, hey, what about this? And this made me uncomfortable. And I don't, we didn't talk about this. Why would I do that when I can just get online? And somebody will be or do or tell me anything I want. Like, why would I engage in that? Why would I eat? Why would I spend the time and the extra money to go eat healthy grass-fed meats when I can just go to McDonald's? It's 99 cents, right? Like, why everything, why would I listen to my body? I have a friend who's got a water bottle. It's got like a vibrator, on, like a vibration system on it that tells you, like it lights up. To remind you to drink, we've outsourced thirst. We've outsourced <laughs> waking up in the morning. I've got a, yesterday. I was with a, thirst. I was with a group, and a guy's got a text messaging system. It's incredible, but it texts him pre-filled out texts for his wife, and it pulls her name up on his phone. It says, "Hey, just thinking about you today. I love you, and I just wanted you to know it." And he just hit send. That's it. It does it for him, and it has a thing like want to buy flowers. And you hit the button and it will just deliver them. And so we're outsourcing everything, everything. And what we found, we outsource death, right? And there's a whole chapter in the book about we outsource death. We outsource aging. We pretend it doesn't exist. And the challenge is, as to quote Vanderkolk, our body keeps the score. Our body knows that we are unplugged from ourselves. It knows there's nobody driving this car, that we're in the back seat and this sucker's flying down the highway. It knows, and it's beginning to rattle. And when you think about anxiety rates and depression rates and OCD rates, we can talk clinical and neuroscience all day, but all those are giant red flags that our lives are disconnected from ourselves. And when we plug them back in, as you mentioned, that's when I have to say, me and my wife are not okay. And I've got to walk into that for this to get to the other side. Me and my children aren't connected. Another Netflix series is not going to make me feel better. It's going to help me avoid or giving them a digital babysitter isn't going to help. You know what I mean? So it's this constant choice to plug back in, plug back in and plug back in, knowing that we now live in a world that our bodies weren't designed to inhabit. 
and that a thousand different voices every day are trying to unplug your life from itself. That's the goal. Because I buy stuff when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm freaked out, when I'm nervous. I buy stuff. I click on things when I'm nervous or scared. And that's the ecosystem. And so how do we reconnect with our lives? And you said constantly plugging back in. You know, I used to think of, uh, remember the Matrix from 99? The yeah, awesome absolutely. Movie, of yeah. I mean, the new one came out. I, I liked it. But um, for 20 years, I've been sharing on stage talking about like the metaphor of the Matrix where it's like, hey, unplug from everything you just described. But I think your metaphor is way more powerful because instead of, it's not a one step, right? Where you unplug and go, okay, you know what? I'm off Facebook. I'm off whatever it is, right? I'm ready to go. Now I'm alive. It's the reality isn't that way. Yeah. I don't just unplug from pornography and then be like, now I'm the perfect husband and I'm with my wife and everything's amazing. It's I'm going to plug in with her emotionally, mentally, physically, constantly. And this happens for the rest of our lives. And it's, it's not that it's hard, but it is. Can you talk about oh, it's brutal, like, man? Right. Yeah, it's brutal. Why do um, we choose the right thing over like why do we choose the long-term right over the short-term wrong that feels it feels good, it is good, and I get right, like our, our bodies, but it's so, so we, it's hard to yeah. take the vitamin every day and not see the result tomorrow, right? Yeah, so we've got a brain that is wired for familiarity, and we will stay in dysfunctional abusive relationships because that's what our body knows and it wants us because it can predict that and even though we're going to get hit we're going to get cheated on we're going to get demeaned and talked to like we're trash we'll stay here that's why entrepreneur like i will i will stay in my failing business i look at my taxes i don't taxes don't stress me out at all none they don't ever stress me out um because i don't stick around failing businesses I think taxes can be a red line for folks to it's a the once a year you have to look in the mirror and say this isn't working or this is what this is. And it's a bluff call, right? It's a uh, it's like I call put all cards on the table. And so I think there's this increasing pressure. You know, I hate paying them. I don't like giving my money away, but the I do like roads and cops. So I'll say that. But as we get as we push this thing closer, and closer, there's this deadline coming, right? We hate that. We like familiar. I'll stay in misery. I'll stay in misery. I'll stay in misery. That's what my brain's used to. And Anna Lemke wrote an extraordinary book called Dopamine Nation. And she is a, um, a uh, professor, of, professor of addiction in uh, Stanford Medical School. Uh, she's a savant. It's an extraordinary book. Um, she talks about the dopamine ecosystem that we live in now. And we are just simply trading addiction for addiction for addiction. And depending on what culture you live in, what family system you are live in, what part of the world you live in, if you work 90 hours a week in America, if you go 180,000 bucks in the, in the debt to get for three-year graduate degree, and then you work 90 to 120 hours a week, you know what we call you? A lawyer. We're going to give you $400,000 to reward you. If you do cocaine, we're going to put you in jail. Only after a while, though, because cocaine really works for a season until it kills you and everybody around you. Um, if you develop mental illness, we will medicate you and call you dysfunctional. And, 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 and if you are overweight, we're going to call you lazy. If you, and if you, uh, if you cheat on your spouse, then we're going to call you a philanderer and a cheater. If you go to certain places overseas, overweight suggests that you've got abundance that you are actually somebody who doesn't have to live like X. And if you're too thin, then you're, oh my gosh, you've got problems. 
if you go to Spain and you work 90 hours, 120 hours a week, you know what they call you? Insane. You're crazy. What are you doing? Why are you living like this? Relax, rest. You have your whole life ahead of you. And they're playing a thousand year game, not a 98 year game, right? So it depends on where you live as to how things prop up, but we just trade addiction for addiction for addiction. So I quit smoking. Cool. Now I'm exercising and crossfitting. And then I blow my shoulder out. And so then I trade that for I'm fly fishing and I get obsessed with it. Dude, that's just all that is, is unplugging, unplugging, unplugging. And you've got to find real people to plug into me. I quit trading addiction for addiction for addiction. And even uh, you, you said, you know, the CrossFit and whatnot. And uh, so even the healthy addictions, because I think that's, that's a common story people have in their head. Hey, once I quit smoking, you know what I should do is start going to the gym. And now and my you life's should, good. Like, but my it's, life's not good. Gonna, it's not going to complete you. It's not going to make you whole, right? Um, the gym's not uh, Renee Zellweger and you're not Tom Cruise. You have to go, like going to the gym's awesome. Stopping smoking is incredible. Losing weight is wonderful. Well, if that's, if that's good for your body type, going and getting mental health, like those things are extraordinary relationships are the only thing that bring you peace that let your body go. I'm safe. And Got until it. your body feels it's safe, it will solve for that safety in a million different ways. Cause the smoking wasn't the problem and the gym isn't the solution. Neither one, they're both solutions to an underlying problem, which is disconnection, right? That we're not dealing with. Right. So, so I worked out hard this morning. I did a hard workout. Look at you. Um, I can tell well, I can and, see the triceps. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm flexing so hard right now. Like, <laughs> I can hardly breathe. I'm flexing so hard. Yeah. Um, but I, I, uh, I did a hard workout, but I know that I had to stop. I actually cut it short so that I heard my kids moving around upstairs and I went upstairs because I knew that I needed that I'm tired right now and I'm running on fumes. And so I know I need human connection and I know that they need to see their dad. Right. So when it comes to what's a good life, I need to get my workout in and I need to make sure my relationships. It's both. I love in. that relationships. Okay. So I hear my kid run around upstairs and I go, okay, I'm going to cut out this workout. And I feel like there's these competing voices in my head and I hope so. I'm just kind of going off into my own life because that's the only way I know how to interview. Do it, man. Uh, okay, good. So if I, if I'm working out in the morning, which I don't, but if I was, and I hear my kids starting to rustle, I have these competing voices of, I need to take time for me. And I have to do that because I'm not doing that. Cause I'm always doing all these things for everybody. So the workouts for me, and this is a good, healthy thing. But then I also am like, Oh, but I'm going, going, going that whole thing. And then I hear my kid rustling and one voice says, Hey, go be a good dad, connect for 10 minutes before school, just be present. And the other voice is like, oh my gosh, he was up to 1130 last night and he was a total butthead. And I don't like, I'm just not ready for this. Yes. Um, do you have competing voices? And if so, uh, what do you do with them? I have loud and aggressive <laughs> competing <laughs> voices. They are angry, angry, loud voices. Aggressive um, inner voice. The answer like always distills down into one question for what? So at the end of, I was at the end of an hour workout and I had one set left and actually I had two left. I had two left and I left my squat run until the very end just to torture myself. And I got the first one and I heard the kids and I thought, I'm going to go upstairs. And then the competing voice said, what a, you're going to quit on squat day. What a coward. Everyone then quits I on thought, leg day. That's exactly right. So you know what I did? I split the difference because here's the question for what, for what I am in my forties now. I'm a YouTuber. I'm not training for anything, right? It's not like I've got a fight coming up and I'm not, I'm not running marathons. And so the question long-term is what am I doing this for? You know why I work out now so that when I'm 90, I can roll around with my great grandkids. That's the goal. 
right? It's the Peter Atia. I want to, I want to participate in the fictional Centurion Olympics when I'm hundred. And so I'm going to reverse engineer that I'm playing a 60 year game and I'm going to work on my joints and on my strength and on my mind and on my relationships. And so if I'm playing a 60 year game, those 10 minutes matter to me. And like you, me and my kid had a rough night last night. It was just like, come on, you just go to that kind of night. It's my job as the adult to lean into that dysfunctional part, that scratchy relationship. It's my yeah. job, not his. And so many parents say that my kid acted like a turd last night. So I'm not, and I always want to stop them and say, are you kidding me? Actually, when that's a, it's your job. When you have that night, you meet them when they walk out of that room in the morning. You meet them with a hug and say, I'm so glad to see you. And with your hands on their face saying, good morning, good morning, good morning. And that 10 minutes, A, helps you, that's your job is to recenter your kids and reconnect them. Because you're teaching them how to be plugged in, by the way. And so it goes back to for what? Now, if I had just woke up, if I had slept in an hour and I had just gone downstairs and I heard them rustling, I would have stayed downstairs. Because I owe, if I don't get that hour in in the morning, if I don't get that 45 minutes in the morning, I will be less effective at work. I'll be less effective relationally. I'll be less effective tonight. So I'm playing a 24-hour game with there. So all that's context and relative. I think the challenge is we just go to war with ourselves every morning. And I've just stopped doing that, man. I'm not going to war with myself anymore. I'm going to ask myself for what. I'm going to be curious about stuff. And then I'm going to go work out hard. And I'm going to get my relationships in. That's good. So for what, so that I hear you guys talk about, you know, on the show about that. It's like, you're, you're on a budget. Why? Not just because you want to deprive yourself so that you can, right. So that you can start saving, get out of debt. You can build wealth, whatever it is. Um, And and here's, I I remember that. Remember the Michael Jordan documentary on HBO? Yeah. The the Michael Jordan document. It was, it was like a six or it was on ESPN. ESPN. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a six part thing. It was extraordinary. It was really well done. And I've spent my career, my research, my nerd world, my research was on doctors and lawyers, the people who've quote unquote made it, the fancy pantses and their mental health and their, the world that they inhabit. Mm-hmm. Um, and about halfway through that documentary, I remember thinking to myself, for what? Like, for what? Like, how, how much more money do you need? Like, you have everything and you have nothing. You've got, you cannot go to the bathroom. There is nobody that can come in here and see you. Um, you know what I mean? So it was, a, it was an indictment on for six pieces of cloth hanging in a stadium in Chicago. I gave up everything. And so I always want to loop back to that question for entrepreneurs, for business leaders, for like, what are we doing this for? For married couples who just drive Uber, what are we doing this for? Why? Why? What's happening here? And let's always go back to that for what question, because that can really drive a lot. It's a huge question because where I go then is, oh man, I tend to be one of those all or nothing kind of personalities, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs are I where I too. go, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the, to the top or like when I was 22, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar and yeah, he, yeah he was talking about personal development and like purpose of life and fulfillment. And I looked, I was a successful real estate investor at the time. Dave and I have almost the exact same story. Weirdly enough, um, I built a fortune and then lost it all by 26 and it was all the same thing, right? Leveraged houses. And I went to go see Tony Robbins in the midst of all this. And I looked around and said, for what? 
but my inclination is all or nothing. So my story became at 25, I was a self-made millionaire. At 26, I was bankrupt and trying to be a life coach because <laughs> making $900 a year because, <laughs> right? I was like, this is all meaningless. And if this is meaningless, then I need to create, I need to do something that matters. So I cut it all off and went the other direction. When, if you're a Michael Jordan, right? Like, and we've seen this in celebrities, right? Where all of a sudden it seems like they, you know, oh, they're, they're out there now, but they're not. They just looked at it in the eye and said, you know what, for what, not for me, but now they're meditating on a hill somewhere. Right. I don't feel like that's probably the right answer either. So right. if you see that, what does it really look like to reach back and reconnect? Like for real, is it about abandoning everything? Probably not. No, is it about, no, right? How do you do that when you've gone all the way in on your business and then you go, man, 20 years, I built, you know, this whole empire for what I got a statue in the park. That's great. Um, I want me again, but I don't want you to like, you don't, you don't knock the building down. Right. W That's what does right. it look like to plug in when you've gone to that level? I think it's about this is going to sound, I'm trying to say that I'm trying to say, come up with the words and not say it. So woo woo. Um, Ooh, where I'm going to lose everybody. Um, crystals, lasers, DNA. Exactly. Yeah. I want you to like get a, yeah, a box of crystals, Math. I, I, it's important for people to hear this. I need ambitious entrepreneurs in the world. I got two little kids that I brought into a mess and we've got some major issues that we got to solve. I need people grinding and crushing it and going and doing hard things, figuring out hard problems and creating value in the marketplace so that we can solve some of these issues. And we just have to know this isn't going to solve us. This isn't going, you can't, if you are an all or nothing person, you are probably 99% chance you're running from something or trying to earn that guy's love. And your dad's not ever going to circle around and say the magic words that are going to make everything okay. And so I want you to run hard. I want you to run so hard and so fast. And I want you to own the reality that your dad's not going to turn or come around that your mom isn't going to suddenly be like, you know what? I had no boundaries as a kid and you were responsible as a seven-year-old to make sure I didn't get mad. And that was too much for you. And I'm sorry. She That's might never say that for the rest of your life. It's not going to happen. And so what I see a lot of entrepreneurs, they get there, they get, they, they get their first seven figure year. They get their, they make their sale. And then they wake up the next morning and they've gone with them. That's the old set, right? That's the old, the worst part about accomplishing your dreams is that you go with, and if you are running or fighting, and that's your identity, and that's your survival technique, then you're going to be a fighter and a sprinter with a million dollars or with no dollars. And so I want people to disassociate my business success, my business failures from my relationships and my wholeness. Those are two separate entities, and one will not lead to the other. Oh, business success will not lead to you being whole being a whole can lead to business success. And so it's both and. That's really good. So if I find myself the proverbial Michael Jordan, let's, let's pray. Um, but that's not happening. I couldn't even make a granny shot in high school. Uh, <laughs> what a terrible name for it. Anyway. Um, yeah. uh, so Chappelle, let, like, let's use him. And he's great. I don't know. So I'm going to speak about him. Right. So he is a good comedian. People loved him. And then he possibly he the writing. best in the world. Well, at the time, he was good. Back in the day, he was good. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't call him the best in the world back in the day. Then he comes out with Fair. a show, which is legendary and groundbreaking. And it was the first time people saw comedy, I think, on that with that slapstick comedy that had the layers that his had. 
because there was some deep, deep depth to that thing. And when you're on that track of, I just want to get, I just want to get on this stage so that I can get on this stage. And if I can get on this stage, then I can get on that stage. If I get on that stage, I can get a show. And if I get a show, everything works out. Yeah. Then I'm made. And then they wrote a $50 million check and handed it to him. And he said, I'm out. And then after a decade of going back to why am I even doing this? And what do I have? That same depth was there. That same strength was there. And now he does comedy at a level that is untouchable because he's speaking not from he's well and he is whole. And if you watch his shows, of course, he clowns on people and gets in trouble and all that. But he's always going back to his friends. He's always going back to his family. He's always going back to his people, to his community. He is tethered to relationships deeply, and that allows him to repel off the edge and say the things that he really wants to say, which is what you have to do to be a comedian. And so he is now able to because he's anchored in. Now he's got a why. And the why isn't so I can get another special, so then I can get another special. No, that's not the game. The game is I feel like I need to say this stuff, and then I can go away. I'm good. And that's what I think if, if, if an entrepreneur can look at, can all of this go away? And I still be able to go home and roll my eyes and be like, well, that sucks. And uh, what do we get? Let's get some nachos and we'll figure it out. It's tomorrow, right? Not to be glib. Of course, you'd be mourning and sadness. And we need to go see somebody. I'm going to talk to my buddy. All that stuff would be a part of it. But is this, a, is this, is your identity wired into this sucker? Man? Right, but at the highest is, level. You're going to crash. Yes. Hmm. So you, you will crash a... at success or you will crash at failure, but you will crash. Let's go. So you want, you watch a Chappelle and you say, okay, now I'm going to do a special partly from being whole coming from that place, but then also what's the purpose of building this thing? And like, he's probably put heart, you know, I, I think this wouldn't be fair to define, but all as much work into his latest, you know, the series of specials. I mean, they do churned out hours of That's comedy. Right. One hour yeah. is you're a rock star. If you can do one, I can't do five minutes, That's but right. he's doing hours and hours of it. But I think the purpose also changed. It wasn't just, okay, I'm well, and I actually want to do this. And I have something to say, but what's the purpose of the special? Maybe the, the first special years ago was so I can make it. I can be significant. I can be special. This one is, you know what? I think the world needs to hear this message and I'm going to wrap it up in comedy and I'm going to say it anyway. Whether you and agree I, with it or not. Yes. And then now the, the most, the beautiful turn that I didn't see, I don't think anybody saw coming is he has a new Netflix series special and all it does is highlight his friends who are comedians. Now I'm able to take my right. friends and I'm going to use my name, which is what Dave Ramsey's doing for me. I'm going to use my name and my influence to make sure that these voices that y'all have never heard of, y'all need to hear these voices. You need to hear this talent. You need to, you need, you want, you think I'm funny. Wait till you see these guys. Cause these are the guys that taught me. And now you're, you're able to be generous at a level that because your identity isn't tethered into the finish line, your identity is tethered to the journey and to the people who are with you. Do you, this is just completely hypothetical. We don't know Dave Chappelle <laughs> and we'll get off him in a second. Um, do you think hypothetically, theoretically, if he didn't walk away for 10 years, could he have, and whoever it is, right? But could he have figured this out, made that change, made that reconnection while still like being in the, you know, in the business, still doing things. Do you think he'd still come to the same place potentially? And for that matter, any of us, right? Do you have I've to heard walk him away? talk about um, Richard Pryor, Martin Lawrence, those who just it, it ate him up and spit him out as this is the path. Um, I, I, I mean, that's, this is the old, 
the hero journey, right? That you have some great collapse. Um, I had to take, we, my wife and I took a seven, like on a much, we're talking $50 million in him. My wife and I, for us, um, we both grew up pretty poor. And when I finally said, hey, I need to make a, I need to get my life back. I need to figure out what's going on in my head and in my marriage and in my home and in my job. Um, yeah, dude, I had to change the oil while the car was still running. And so I, uh, we took, we took a seven choice. Yeah. But we took a $70,000 household income pay cut and moved to a new town. And I was uh, working with a population of about five or 6,000 students. And I became the Dean of students at a law school, which had about six or 700 students. It was a much smaller population. And it was like going from a shotgun to a laser, right? So it was a much more concentrated group. It was very intense, but it provided some space for me to then say, whew, what happens now? And so it's both in. I think, I think the temptation is to just quit everything and wipe your hands. Um, and you see that a lot. Like, I'm quitting everything and I'm starting a dog treat company. Well, dude, have you done your research on that? I mean, dog treats are selling, you know what I mean? Because I just, I just, I go so hard so long until my body says I'm out. Um, I tell, I tell, uh, executive leaders at some point, you're going to get a group, you'll get one, either a court ordered re recovery group or a group of guys that are men or women that walk alongside you that you hang out with once a week just to get coffee or beer or nachos. Um, but you're going to get a group one way or the other. And so I want to be proactive on the front end of that. I want to choose my group. That's right. Yeah, very good. John, this is amazing. So we're, again, we're talking with John Deloney, Dr. John Deloney, own your past, change your Just future. regular John's good. Two-time Dr. John Deloney, <laughs> <laughs> two PhDs, own your past, change your future is the new book. Um, it's on pre-sale now, right? Um, and we're going to be dropping this right away for everybody because I know you're still on pre-sale to what date? Uh, April 19th is when the book comes out. So this goes through April 18th and the, the April 18th. Tell us what you, you have pre-sale goodies. I love, I always pre-sale and yeah. package my books. You are pre-selling and packaging some, you got help from better help. You got some yeah. really cool stuff. Would you mind? Better help stepped up and they, they're pretty awesome. So they're, they're giving away a month of free therapy if you pre-order this book. So I've had people say, I mean, I could buy a book for 20 bucks and get a month of therapy for $20. And it's like, yeah, if you want to look at it that way, that didn't hurt my feelings, but yes, that's, you can do that. And it comes with the audiobook and the digital cop and ebook and all that. But um, the big thing is I didn't want people, this book about hope and it's a book about um, what do we do now? Right. What comes next? And it's a book that I hope I ended, I closed the book with a smile on my face um, and which is not how I started the book. And so I hope that everybody ends that way. And what I didn't want is those who say, not everybody will, but those who say, I think I'm ready to go talk to someone. They're going to make a call in their local community and they're going to say, great, we'll put you on a six month waiting list because that's the state of mental health care in America. Um, and so they stepped up and said, we'll see somebody within 48 hours, 24, 48 hours. And that was a tool that I thought, man, what a beautiful gift. And so they, I was really grateful for them. So if your next step is, I would like to talk to someone professionally, not because I'm broken, but because I'd like to talk to someone who knows, is trained to listen, right? Is trained to yeah. ask questions, is trained right. to understand what's happening. Um, grab the book pre-order. It's 20 bucks, um, which I think is like cheaper than the book or about the price of the book when it comes out later. Yeah, that's right. Um, but you get weekly uh, counseling, weekly therapy yeah, sessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can sign them up, man. It's a good, it's a good deal, man. I know not everybody likes math, but that's uh, five <laughs> that's bucks a session. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's incredible. I'm gonna... hey. So what was your what was your favorite? What, Is there a like, limit? Uh, what's a takeaway? No, man. Uh, in fact, I've had people. I had another. I had a, a friend of mine. <laughs> I'm gonna get like, a hundred yeah, pre-sales. I was like, man. dude, I'll send you one. And he's like, no, man, I want the therapy. Um, 
That's outstanding. What, um, do you, what's something you took away? I'm interested just talking to people across the country. What's something you took away? Two things really stuck out. Uh, one, I, I, I probably underlined and wrote the most notes um, on, and we've talked about this, but on technology. And mm. hang on, I wrote this note. I was very excited about it. I wanted to ask you, and I never did. See, I'm using technology to actually uh, to, <laughs> to, have my, to, uh, to have my bits. Um, technology is going to save us. The story that, and instantly when you, there was a line, something, I think that was the actual line, technology is going to save us. And I remember being, you know, uh, 17 in high school, getting my first pager. So that's right, right? And I think we're pretty close to the same age there. And I got my first flip phone, right? When I graduated and it was like, this is cool. But then it was a keyboard and then it's email. And then, right, and it just started coming in and everything that got added to my hand, to my phone became like the savior. It's like, now life's going to be good because, and I don't think anybody, at least maybe the guys in the tinfoil hats, but I didn't see it coming that a short 10 years or so later, it would become almost the demise where people are, are getting apps that make their phone less interesting. My wife just turned her phone black and white, right? Because like, I don't want to look at it anymore. So the piece about understanding that technology is not our savior, and there's a story around that, um, I think about it all the time. Hmm. Kind of all to, every, every night, I think about when I'm making a choice of you know, I want to flip on a show and watch something for 30 minutes. And then I pick up my phone and I'm going to scroll while I'm, I don't have enough, you know, my dopamine yeah. isn't enough. I'm like, what am I doing? And so you inspired me just with that piece to say, okay, I'm going to, you know, we're going to put our phones in a box at seven o'clock. And I don't know, like, I, it, it's scary to feel like I'm, I'm in so little control of my own technology that I need to lock my phone away in a box, lest it get out and attack us. Um, <laughs> well, and I, the, I appreciate you saying that I, the technology savior is, I think it's a, even much bigger than phones and For sure. screens. It is. I, if you start pulling the thread and again, it goes back to the stories, but like I put stuff in a microwave instead of putting it in the oven That's right. for that extra seven minutes I saved or 14 minutes. And I think, what am I, is it just so I can get back in front of the TV faster? And then it's, well, why, why don't I hear, well, I, I don't have time because I just got home from work and it, why am I working a job that forces me to, to schedule my day in three minute increments? And if I miss these three minutes then I don't eat healthy. Right. And then it goes all the way back to why do I live in this town? Like Kansas is just cheaper to live. Why don't we move to Kansas? And what, what illusion am I propping up about? No, I live here. This is where I'm from. So it goes all back to stories. That's right. But I want people to take ownership to reclaim their life. Like, what are we doing? Not that, not that microwaves are bad and not that working really hard and sliding it into home so you can make dinner with your kids. Not that that, but it's just this, we've outsourced it all. And I want people to walk back and be intentional and say, dude, what are we doing? And why are we doing it? Um, so I appreciate that, man. Technology is like, it's going to solve all of our issues. We can just go faster and quicker. And I, well, what, in some man? ways, it's almost like that drug, right? Where, you know, you, or, or money, it's, some, it's fuel for a fire. And what is the fire, right? So if, if I'm, I'm sure people can use technology really well, but if you give money to a cocaine addict, they're going to get real sick real fast. And if you give money to, you know, Mother Teresa, then she might be able to help more people. So I think technology can be that way. Yeah. Um, well, it's just realize how if hard you look it is at, to control. It allows us think about medical technology. Um, the number of people I've sat with when somebody gets cancer and they're 60 something and they uh, have lived a tough, hard life or they haven't taken care of themselves so well. There's just this idea that 
somebody out there will solve that when I need it. And there's something otherworldly devastating when a doctor looks at a patient and says, um, we did what we could do. And it's a other like, no, no, I but y'all, I'm at, we're at the hospital now. And I know there was a bad wreck, but y'all, this is what y'all do. Y'all fix that. And it's no, no, like, I'm can't. sorry to inform you, right? There's nothing we can do. And there's, we've just leaned our entire lives up against this thing about, ah, the future will do, we'll come up with something that will help the, we owe trillions, trillions. Ah, well, we'll we're going to figure that out later. That's technology, right? We're just going to come up with a new thing that will uh, help with it. At some point, man, technology runs out. Mother nature's keeping the score. Our bodies are keeping the score. It knows we're not okay, right? And so, man, let's just recenter. I still use a microwave, by the way. I still use... I have a cell phone. I got a separate one with social media on it because I can't control myself because I'm an addict. Well and done. You put like, it in the drawer oh, with the gummy candies? I can't have gummy candies in my house. Like, Lock that's that's kind of where that is. Where that is. <laughs> can't have <laughs> gummy candies come to. or uh, Girl Scout cookies. Those evil, <sighs> evil, evil. Yeah. Boxes. You know what I found out? I, I don't want, uh, you know how much the Girl Scouts get for a Girl Scout cookie box? Hmm. It's like 38 cents. It's one of the worst fun. And I, I love the Girl Scouts. I want to support them like crazy, but. Ugh. 38 cents. I think that's a travesty. They should make $10 a box because they are for they what are they slinging some good dope. For- yes. <laughs> they are pushing good dope and they need more than 38 cents off that. Yeah. Stuff. So when I go buy a box of Girl Scout cookies, if five bucks or whatever, four bucks, give them the five bucks for the cookies and then give them five bucks for the troop. And uh, now they made there five you thirty. <laughs> there you go. I'm, um, I'm in for that. Yeah. John, you're awesome. man. thanks for taking so much time again. You've, you've always yeah, been so much incredibly generous uh with your time with your heart and i think most importantly with your attention um every time i've seen you listen to you been in your presence interact and i mean this like with right from my heart man um i get how hard it can be sometimes especially with distractions and things that are needed but you never fail to look people in the eye you never fail to just be present in the moment and I can feel it right now. You got something burning, you know, in a few minutes at the top of the hour and all that stuff. But I have to go to I'm, the bathroom. So that's bad. what it is. I'm totally as, you, <laughs> as you hold that pee back and you just focus right. on the compliment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you always have, have a presence about you. And I think, guys, um, Dr. John Deloney show, of course, uh, if you haven't listened to the podcast, check out the podcast. It's three times a week. I think it is. Yep. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. Who does yeah. three times, but three episodes a week and it's all calling people. He's talking to real people, real problems, real solutions. Um, it's riveting. It's incredible. Story driven. Very, very just inspiring, man. And that's what, that's what Thanks, I got brother. from the books. That's what I, I want to leave you with is um, at the end of this book, when I close the chapter, I feel like, dang it, I can take on what I need to take on. And it's not an overinflated sense of I can do anything. It's a real sense of, you know what? It is hard and it is worth it. And I'm going to start right now. Um, and if awesome. you are ready to start right now, um, own your past, change your future pre-sale. Um, we'll have it in the show notes. Uh, where can they get it? Uh, RamseySolutions.com or? Yeah, you can go to JohnDeloney.com. JohnDeloney.com. Yep. JohnDeloney.com. Right. Awesome, thanks bro. so much. for Hey, you're time, awesome. Man. Take care. And uh, thanks for being a good dad and putting good stuff out in the world, man. I love you. Thanks. It's See awesome. you, buddy. Hey, what'd you think? Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Um, I really, really did. You know, this is, I, I love all the interviews we do. This is one of those ones that I, you know, I, I came upstairs from the basement and I was like, hey, honey, talking to Lola. And I was like, you got to listen to this interview. I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, she is, as I said to John, you know, she actually picked up the book off the coffee table 
And I was like, hey, I need to read that. She's like, well, I'm not done with it yet. <laughs> so, she, you know, we both have been enjoying the book. Um, again, it is on pre-sale right now. It's through, I think, uh, April 19th. It's worthwhile if you're hearing this after that. Um, but up through April 19th, if you pick up the book, I think it's like 20 bucks, you get the ebook, the audio book, the, um, the hardcover or paperback. I'm not sure which one, but you get the physical book. Um, but the biggest thing is the, they partner with Better Health or better, better help. I think it's better help. And you get uh, a month of therapy sessions included uh, for, for the $20 book. Um, so if in all seriousness, if you've been maybe not having someone to talk to a solid sounding board, if you are like I am sometimes, you know, through this pandemic time in the last couple of years, sometimes I can be around a lot of people, but you know, not everyone is like me. They're not all entrepreneurs and grinding it out and hustling and you know, uh, people are living different lives. So if you feel like you're a little bit alone in this, or um, you need someone to understand you, um, I'd really encourage you, if nothing else, pick up the book. I mean, you'll enjoy it anyway, but pick it up. I'm doing the same thing. Um, just so you can grab those bonus sessions of um, four weeks of therapy. And <laughs> dude, what, uh, what a gold mine, you know, there's something powerful to me about talking to someone that you know, I talk to brothers and, you know, my church uh, family, uh, I talk to my own family, I have friends, we, you know, I have business, you know, JVs and, and friends there. But there's something powerful about talking to someone who doesn't have a vested interest. You know, like, they're not in my circle, they're not, they're not in that world, they don't already know me and have their own stories and have their own preconceptions. And, you know, and they're, everyone's trying their best, but like, a therapist doesn't know me, so I can just go talk and share and get opinions. Um, and it's really nice to get that. So I'm going to shut up with that. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I certainly did as well. My thanks again to uh, Dr. John Deloney. Uh, thank you to the Ramsey Network for uh, lending him to us. Uh, thank you to Sarah Small uh, for the uh, publicity, for hooking us up with the connection. Make sure you follow John on Instagram and Facebook. He's at John Deloney. He actually put some really, really good stuff. Super encouraging, inspiring. I enjoy the feed, so I follow as well. And hey, if you're not following already, uh, make sure you subscribe to this show. If you're hearing this on the radio, good for you, but make sure you go and grab some on-demand episodes. I always mention this, but I really mean it. Go over to mattbrawningpodcast.com, and there's two things you can do there. One, of course, you can subscribe and you can rate and all that fun stuff that I appreciate very much. But the biggest thing is I am looking for questions from listeners just like you. In fact, I'm actually looking for a question from you. Yeah, yeah, you. I want you to go over to mattbrawningpodcast.com there's a button up top that says submit a question, and I want you to submit your question. And one of the cool things I do is when we do these new solo, um, non-interview-based episodes, I love answering your questions, your questions answered. But the biggest thing is I want to feature you and your business on the show. So it's like advertising without advertising. It's a fun give back I want to do to help build our community here. So I'll, I'll answer your question to the entire audience. But in the meantime, I'm going to plug you and your business and where the question came from. So hey, we both win and it's a lot of fun. I get content and you get a question answered and you get some fun publicity on the show. So submit a question and I might just pick your question in an upcoming episode of The Driven Entrepreneur. All right, that's it for this week. Happy April Fool's Day. This wasn't a fool. This was uh, an, a fun, fun experience. I'll talk to you next week with another Driven Entrepreneur. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>